I'd like us to turn to the word of the Lord here today, can we? Over the next three Sundays, I'm going to be doing some messages on the prophet Elijah. That great hero of faith that stands almost head and shoulders above all of both the Old, even the New Testament household of faith. But a man of God, mightily used, and yet one who had his flaws had his struggles, didn't always get it right, struggled to come to terms with something of understanding the purposes of God. And how many of you here today have ever found yourself wondering what on earth is God up to? Where is God leading me? One minute you see the provision of the Lord and the next minute you're running for cover. One minute everything seems to be very clear and precise and then the next minute everything gets a bit foggy. And uncertainty creeps in. Well, I wanted to look over the next three Sundays at something of the life of Elijah. So with that in mind, we need to turn to the Old Testament. If you've got your Bibles with you here today, the passage that I want to read is 1 Kings 17, reading the opening 16 verses. And then we're going to come to the New Testament and read from James chapter 5. So this is what the word of the Lord says. Now Elijah, the Tishbite of Tishbe in Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him, Depart from here and turn eastward, and hide yourself by the brook Kerith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook Kerith, that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. And after a while, the brook dried up, because there was no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear, go and do as you have said. But first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterwards make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent 
Neither did the jug of oil become empty. According to the word of the Lord, that was spoken by Elijah. Now we come then to the New Testament and we come to the book of James. Well, this is what James says about Elijah. Verse 17 of chapter 5. Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. James says that Elijah was someone just like us. Now we tend to think as we read, especially more around the pages of the Old Testament rather than the New, or certainly as we look at people like Peter and Paul and these great apostles, that very often we put them on pedestals, don't we? Assuming that they are these great men and women of God, that no one can touch them, that they are sort of light years ahead of the rest of us. They've got powers that we don't have. They have understanding that we can't understand. They have all of this and more. But James says that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He was just like you. He was just like me. So what is it that made the difference? It wasn't anything to do with who Elijah was as a person. It was God himself. That's what makes the difference. When God takes hold of a person, commissions them with his word, sends them forth, then great and mighty things happen. Now, as we look at this passage of scripture here, it's so important that we have something of the context in which we find ourselves in terms of this prophet who appears out of nowhere. We're told in verse 1 that he was a Tishbite of Tishbe in Galilee. That's the only backstory we have. We have no biography. We're not told of Elijah's family tree, his place of origin, or anything about his past, other than the fact that he just appears. But he appears in the power and in the anointing of God himself. Now, at what time in Israel's history did Elijah appear? Well, we have to go back, obviously, to the pages of Old Testament history. And we come to the period of the kings. The first king was Saul, who was then succeeded by David, who was then succeeded by David's son, Solomon. And that's when the problem started. Because you remember how Solomon died. And Solomon had a son called Rehoboam. At that point, the kingdom was united. But the ten tribes of the northern kingdom, as it would become, didn't want Rehoboam ruling over them. So there was a split between the ten northern tribes and the two southern tribes of Judah and Benjamin. So Rehoboam became the king of Judah and Benjamin, and then Jeroboam became the king over the northern ten tribes. And the reason why there was this split is because Rehoboam lacked a lot of wisdom. He listened to young guys, and he basically threatened to oppress the whole of the nation. And the northern tribes said, we're not going to put up with this. We're not going to 
subjugate ourselves under this tyranny and in this state of oppression. So the nation divided. That was a tragedy in the life of the nation. Now, 58 years later, that's when Elijah appears on the world stage. Not bringing the word of the Lord to the southern kingdom of Judah and Benjamin, but rather to the northern tribes. Which at this point, there was a king called Ahab who was on the throne. Ahab had a wife whose name was Jezebel. She was a Phoenician princess. She was a godless woman who wanted to import all that false Canaanite religion right into the heart of Israel itself. And that's what happened. And that brought with it then the judgment of the Lord upon the nation itself. Added to the fact that Jezebel was not only someone who was determined to remove true faith from the northern tribes. Also, she had her own worship system. In fact, the Bible says that she had 950 false prophets, 450 of which actually the Bible says sat around her table. In other words, she had her own little school of ministry going. She had her own little Bible college. And the worship was around pagan mythology. Baal and Astaroth were the two pagan gods that actually were worshipped by the Canaanites. Ironically, Baal was actually a fertility god who was responsible for the harvest and who was responsible for women having children. So the fact that Elijah brings the word of the Lord concerning drought and no rain was in itself a defiant act against the false gods of the Canaanites. And that's where the story really comes alive, doesn't it, here today, where we read of how Elijah went to Ahab and said, look, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except at my word. Now, this is a classic example of how to make friends and influence people, isn't it? The prophet arises out of nowhere and goes to the king, whose wife is a real bag of trouble, and says, according to my word, there's going to be drought. There's going to be no rain until I give the command. Talk about confrontation. But that's exactly what happened, isn't it? That's what we read of how this prophet, in courage and in faith, went to the leader, the king of the nation, the ten tribes, and pronounced this judgment upon not only the land, but also upon the king himself. Now, where does that leave Elijah? He's just pronounced the fact that there's going to be a famine in the land. There's not going to be any rain or dew for three and a half years, or certainly according to his word. And only after he would speak the word of God would the rain reappear, as we're told here in the book of James. Now, you would have thought that God would have then taken Elijah and moved him on to the southern kingdom where there wasn't a drought. But actually, Elijah stayed in the land, didn't he? 
He had declared this message, but actually he himself had to experience the consequences of his own sermon. But God in the midst of this, and this is where the word of the Lord really stands out for us here today. The Bible says, and the word of the Lord came to Elijah saying, depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Kereth, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook and I have commanded the ravens to feed you. Later on, the word of the Lord came to Elijah again saying, concerning the widow of Zarephath, behold, I have commanded a woman to feed you. So this is the point I wanted to really stress here today. And it's all to do with the power of God's provision. It's all to do with God's ability to meet us at our point of need where he is able to supply every good and perfect gift. He is able to lead us where we can receive what we need in order to do what he's called us to do. And what we find here is that God commanded some ravens which were unclean animals, and he commanded a widow in Zarephath who was a Gentile. The two things that would have really sort of been problematic, certainly to God's people, an unclean bird and a Gentile. It's interesting that when Jesus actually preached his first sermon, didn't he? In Luke's gospel, Jesus referred to the widow of Zarephath, and that's what caused the problems. Jesus was doing okay up until the point that he mentioned about the fact that God's favour and provision was upon the Gentile when in fact Israel was in a time of famine and judgment. But I want to really encourage us here today that God is able to provide everything that we need. That in a nutshell is my message. That in a nutshell is what I feel the Lord would encourage us with here today. But when we talk about provision, let me just say a few words concerning how I see this text here today. The first thing that I think really stands out is that provision flows out of obedience. Notice on both occasions, God said to Elijah, you've got to go from where you are to where the provision will be found. You've got to go to the Kerith Ravine. You can't stay where you are. You have to step out in faith. And then the Bible says once this river dried up, the brook ran dry, it says now you've got to go to a widow in Zarephath, whom I have commanded to feed you. So he had to always go from where he was in order to receive the provision. In other words, there had to be a step of faith. Very often when we pray, we say, Lord, here I am, right here, right now. I want you to meet me where I'm at. I'm going to sit and I'm going to wait. But actually, very often, God will say, look, in order for you to receive that place of provision and go to that place of provision, you've got to move from where you are to where I've commanded you to go. Because on both occasions, God says, I have commanded the ravens, I've commanded the woman. But in order to receive the provision, you've got to move from where you are to that place of supply. And I think for all of us, 
when we're looking to the Lord for his help and his intervention in our lives, there is always a point at which God says, well, you're praying for something, you're believing for something, but you need to step out in faith. That doesn't mean to say you have to go from A to B, geographically, as Elijah did. It simply means you have to change your point of reference. You have to think differently, you have to trust differently, you have to look to the Lord differently, that that provision is only discovered when you move out from where you are. And that's what we find with Elijah here today. God says, look, there's birds that will feed you. And that's exactly what happened. But then there came a point, obviously because there was a drought in the land and there was no rain, that the river ran dry. The meat and the bread came twice a day, but the moment that the brook dried up signified the point at which Elijah had to move on. Which really highlights another point that I wanted to make here today. The very often provision flows out of natural and supernatural supply. Obviously with the ravens, that was a miracle, wasn't it? God commanding birds to feed a prophet. But at the same time, there was a natural sense of supply where there was a brook that had water flowing through it. So God, when he provides for us, very often he uses those two things, doesn't he? The natural and the supernatural. Like he said to Moses, watch that in your hand. God can use the natural things. God can use your brain. He can use your intelligence. He can use your thinking. But at the same time, he can also step in in a supernatural way and make every grace abound to provide everything that you need for life and godliness. So let's be open to the Lord. Obviously, for Elijah, these birds were unclean animals. The Lord commanded that they were unclean. But what needs to happen is that we need to see things differently. And we shouldn't despise sometimes the means of grace that God uses to make his provision real in our lives. And we despise it because it comes in a way and often through a means that either we don't understand or even agree with. We've got to be a people who are open to the Lord to do what he needs to do, regardless of what that looks like. And don't set our own preconceived ideas in terms of what we think God's going to do and how he's going to do it. Maybe you have a need today. Maybe you have a, a circumstance where you're looking to the Lord for guidance and supply. Well, maybe the Lord's going to say, look, the supply is there, but you've got to move from where you are to where I've called you to go. That may not mean geography changes. It means there's a change of mindset. There's a change of outlook. And also we are to say to the Lord that whatever means you use to bring that supply, then that's okay. We don't like the ravens. God's people didn't really have much time for the Gentiles. But for Elijah, these were the two things that God used miraculously to provide the needs of the prophet. And we need to keep our hearts open, don't we? 
in terms of all that he wants to do in our lives. So provision flows out of obedience. So therefore we ask ourselves the question, are we looking to the Lord for provision? Well, the Lord's going to say, in order to receive that provision, something's going to change. You've got to be willing to step out in faith. That's something that all of us, at different times in our lives, need to recognise. God said to the prophet, depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Kerith. You see, he just denounced the king and pronounced this judgment. It's no wonder that the prophet is looking for some safe haven out of the way of the king's wrath. On this occasion, that's what happened and God provided. And God can provide for you. Maybe you have a need. Maybe there's a circumstance. Or maybe you're thinking, well, God, you've provided for me, but the river started to run dry. I thought you were going to provide for me. The birds have been faithful twice a day to bring the meat and the bread. You provided this brook, but suddenly the provision is running dry. Well, that is not a crisis. That's a turning point. And for Elijah, the fact that the brook itself began to dry up because there was no rain in the land. So obviously the judgment was still there. Who was it who pronounced this judgment? It was the prophet. In a sense, he was tasting his own medicine and having to work through the reality of his own sermons. Because he was the one who spoke. No more rain until I say the word. But God said, look, the word of the Lord came a second time. Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. I tell you, friends, God has an amazing capacity to put us in the right place at the right time for him to bless us with what we need in order to do what God's called us to do. Do you believe that today? And maybe there are people here today who are looking to the Lord for such a miracle. Well, for the prophet, he had to move from where he was in order to take hold of the provision of God. And that's where faith is required, isn't it? It would be very easy to sit back and just expect God to put everything on a plate and we don't have to do anything. Not so with this prophet. He had to go from where he was in order to receive the provision that God had promised. And really this brings us to the third and final aspect of this story. And that's the fact that God met the need of the prophet. Not only with the ravens and the bread and the meat, but also this widow who was really at the end of a tether. The Bible says of her that... uh, She was basically getting ready to die along with her son. Jewish tradition actually holds to the fact that the son of the widow of Zarephath was actually Jonah the prophet. We have no proof of that, but it's an interesting thought. But she herself is basically at a place of discouragement and despondency. But the prophet comes along and then says, look... Bring me a little water. You have to remember this is drought. 
There's no water. So he was saying, give me the very thing that you need. Before you do anything else, meet my need. And then it says that as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked and only a handful of sticks. I only have a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I'm gathering some sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. (laughs) Hardly an encouraging scenario. She's been honest, isn't she? But God had commanded her to feed the prophet. So if God's commanded a person to provide for someone else, do you think God is going to look after that person's need? So if God commands you to help someone else, do you not think he's going to help you and provide for your need? Of course he is. And that was certainly true for the widow of Zarephath. And Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as you have said. But first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterward make something for yourself and your son. In other words, it sounds a bit sort of selfish. The prophet's saying, well, you've only got a bit and you're looking to die. But first, meet my need. But therein lay the source of the miracle. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what the prophet says. The jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty. Until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty. According to the word of the Lord that was spoken by Elijah. This was a miracle. God takes natural things and he does supernatural miracles. A bit like the fish and the bread with the feeding of the 5,000. God can multiply something, can't he? And God can do this for us all here today. You might look and think, well, all I've got is a bit of bread, a bit of flour, I've got a little cup of water, and, you know, it's only going to last a day, and that's it, game over. Let me just say this here today. God has an amazing capacity to meet needs. God has an amazing capacity, even when all lack is obvious and everything is running dry, God has a way of providing everything that we need. You might look and think, well, all I've got is a cup of water, all I've got is a plate full of bread and some flour. Well, God says, well, humanly speaking, that doesn't look good. But from God's perspective, God can multiply that. And as we found... That the jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord. They ate for many days. Why? Because the prophet spoke the word of the Lord. It wasn't Elijah, because James reminds us, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He just prayed and something happened. He prayed again and something else happened. He worshipped a great God. And maybe you're looking and you're thinking, well... The brook is running dry. The food is running out. It all looks pretty desperate and discouraging in the natural. Well, God's going to do a miracle. God is going to do a miracle. 
And we need to be open to that. We need to be focused on God's provision. We need to be focused on his faithfulness. We need to be focused on the fact that if God says he will do something, he will do something. And the prophet Elijah saw this. But God was able to provide everything that he needed at exactly the time that it was needed the most. So therefore we have to be perseverant. We have to be faithful. Sometimes the provision doesn't come not because God isn't able to provide but because the timing is wrong. So as long as the prophet was by the river with the ravens he didn't know the widow with the sun and the flower and the water. But the moment one situation changed, God moved him on to another place of provision. And God will move you from where you are for you to receive everything that he's promised over your life. Amen. Let's just pray together, shall we? Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you today because your word is faithful and true. And Lord, I pray... And Lord, I just bring this word to every single one of us today. And I say, God, there might be people here today who feel as though they're kind of stuck by a little babbling brook that suddenly is running dry. Or you look at the lard and you think, well, there's only a bit of flour and a bit of bread and a bit of water. Well, God is going to do a miracle. And maybe you need that miracle here today, a provision for this church, for its ministries. God is not poor anymore. He never was, never will be. God is able to make every grace abound and provide everything that we need. And Lord, we just pray for that in different ways. Lord, for different people. Lord, every single person, we pray, Lord, for your provision. May we be open for it to be the ravens. May we be open to be the Gentile woman, the outcast in Jewish eyes. But Lord, you have an amazing capacity to surprise as we're doing things that don't fit in with our theology because you're a great God. So we thank you, O Lord, today in the name of Jesus. Amen.